Good evening, ear witnesses, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. And Kit, if I'm remembering correctly, we are only doing the spiel at the beginning of each triple. Yes. Okay. I will skip that then. Well, I guess we'll, uh, yeah. Uh, so I am your host, Mike <laughs> Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Uh, tonight, we're here to discuss the second film in my delightful De Palma triple feature, which is 1981's Blowout, starring John Travolta, Nancy Allen, and John Lithgow. And also, Dennis Franz is in there. Uh, and it is written and directed uh, by the one, the only, Brian De Palma. All right. Uh, hello to both of you. And um, had uh, we, we had all seen this film before. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Okay, cool. S- several times. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I want to know, Andrew, uh, what you remember about the either the first time or just the previous times you've watched it. And then uh, we'll, we'll get into uh, this viewing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I watched this on dvd in 2011 and then i immediately bought the criterion blu-ray and watched it again and loved it more because it's so gorgeous in hd this movie is so pretty here's one thing that i that strikes me about this movie is that it it's like it's de palma like still kind of doing his B movie thing Mm -hmm. like there's still like the like the saturation of colors is still there but it's like more sort of like hidden in the environment it's like more motivated than than normal it's like less kind of like surreal I'm kind of rambling already but I forgot that my favorite shot of like all time is in this movie two of my favorite shots of all time there's the one the so good so good shot of uh going from Lithgow's silhouette mm-hmm. to Nancy Allen walking down the street to establishing Dennis Franz's apartment. It is so good. It almost makes you want to cry <laughs> uh, because it's like, here's a long shot that, and it's not like it's like a minute long or anything. It's like, it's more complicated than it is long, but it's like not, it just like establishes like geography and also progresses the plot. It's just like, this is how you do it guys. This is how you connect, like, this is how you make a wonder that means fucking something. Um, so I love that. And then, of course, the 360 shot mm-hmm. in his uh, his studio is still just, that one might be even, like, somewhat gratuitous, but it's, like, it doesn't even matter yeah. because it rules. It's so good. Yeah. Um, anyway, those, that, just, like, I, I instantly loved this movie when I first saw it. Um and I've only grown to love it more. Nice. And Kit, uh, do you recall like the first time you saw it or? Yes. I think that I watched it um, 
because I've heard of the premise, um, and it just sounded audio stuff is very um, scary to me, but also like I can't not and like I have to know. So like for instance, like I'll listen to um, audio. F- oh, this is gonna make me sound like a crazy person, but um, like black box audio from plane crashes and <laughs> that's like, insane yeah you know <laughs> oh stuff God. like like final transcripts and and things like that but like, it's very um scary uh to me and so when i heard this premise i was like oh i gotta see that also it's like super hot young john travolta's in it also i should mention blowout number 18 on the american friend institute list i believe nominated by me nice. um wow Nice. Yes. Um, so I watched the movie. It is kind of like I forget about it often. Um, like most of De Palma's movies, actually. Like I don't remember. Like, oh, yeah, that's a really good movie. There's something about him. Like, like I think we might have said last week that he's friends with all of these. Just like, you know, he's in that pack of like the most influential living directors, you know, like they were all friends and all, you know, went to school at the same time. But he's kind of, like, on the lower tier of, like, fame and, like, influence, at least in, like, the popular imagination. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I don't really remember that um, <sighs> Yeah, this is, like, one of the best movies that I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, it's – I think it's pretty – there's like one or two things that I would change about it, but it's like pretty damn close to being a perfect movie. And it's so crazy to me that like one of the, you know, narratives associated with this movie before it kind of got its like Tarantino fueled reevaluation is that this is the reason that John Travolta required a comeback. Like really? this movie helped kill his career. Okay. That it's insane. is insane. <laughs> it's the I best did not know that. that he's he's so probably cause, yeah because like he's I so good. I think he like we talked about last week. I think that he like I love Chili Palmer, and I think that Travolta mm. is the only guy who could have played that character. But yeah. in this, he's like a real <laughs> like Chili Palmer. There's like. You know, there's different. He's kinds. not a real dude. Yeah, and there's different kinds of acting where it's like, a lot of what I love about John Travolta is like, he, he has a charisma and a star power when he's in like the right role. That it's just like, God, this guy's so cool, or this guy's like, like, you know, you can appreciate an actor for being not like a real guy at all, and that's kind sure. of mostly, I think, how the mold of John Travolta. But in this, like, from the moment he starts talking, I'm just like, this is such a good performance. It's so, like, it's such an interesting take on this character, which, you know, that's probably also down to directing and writing. But I, in a less good movie, I feel like this guy would have such a different energy. He'd be, like, so much more dour and you know, kind of in the, like, Humphrey Bogart noir mold of, like, a grumpy, like, you know, put-upon guy. But it, it, but Travolta is so, like, 
optimistic and like uh energized and like even though he's been through like some pretty bad shit like he's very upbeat and um you know kind of blase about <laughs> about what they're doing and i think it makes the whole movie so much sadder that both that both of them are just kind of like they seem so youthful and um yeah happy and like they're like doing things and <laughs> mm-hmm. you know uh yeah anyway that's interesting i hadn't perfect. really i hadn't thought about that like i had appreciated travolta's performance but i hadn't really thought about like what how the movie be different with a different actor um mm-hmm. but i think you're completely right like uh in particular the scene where him and nancy allen are sitting i guess it's like a bar or a restaurant yeah uh exactly. and he's like so sweet and she's so cute and like mm-hmm. um She's like, oh, you were just trying to talk me, uh, get me to talk so I'd miss my train. He's like, no, like, I'm really interested. Like, uh, had that been mm-hmm. more of a, like, you know, like a noir or like a, uh, not not stoic, but like a more uh, macho kind of mm-hmm. actor, like those looser moments that make them both so endearing wouldn't, might you know, might not have uh, existed. Um, so it's interesting. Um, but on that on that note liking these characters so much the first time i saw this movie uh it was i think it was within the last 10 years i think it was after i had kind of gotten on my diploma kick but early into it um i did not like blowout uh so wow Andrew well but this is this is what happened is, is <laughs> i loved it up until the end when and then spoiler alert, obviously anybody listening to this is going to watch the movie, hopefully. Uh, but when she dies, when he he pulls Lithgow off of her, you know, he's got the ice pick, or I think it's an ice pick at that point, mm-hmm. raised yeah. in the air. And um, he pulls her off, and I'm, I'm hoping, like, okay, she'll be okay. Like, he got there in time. And then obviously, you know, he's already used his watch on her and killed her. And so it was just so heartbreaking that I was like, nope. I love to blow out, but, like, I didn't like the ending. Um, that's crazy because one i think that this movie has maybe one of the best endings of all time um yes and two i think that that is what killed the movie at the box office yeah oh like yeah it's very very sad it's a huge we turned we yeah we turned it off and denise just goes yeah (laughs) but and it was it's so good though. It it's is. The, it's the ending that has to happen. That's it's the mm-hmm. ending the movie is setting up with that with John Travolta's character. Yeah, the with, whole movie with the wire and the other. And the he doesn't. And he doesn't get any more information after that too. Like I love that too. That like there's, it's like a conspiracy movie that doesn't. I mean, he doesn't get more. There's no resolution at all. It's just right. like, oh yeah, you actually didn't matter. Like your role in this didn't matter at all. <laughs> you don't get to but, know. Like, exactly what happened or why no one will ever find out he achieved just enough to to continue the cycle and blow out too yeah <laughs> yeah well like right? he, he you know he got another person killed you know yes right by why but see, yeah this but is... he also he's using i mean he's <laughs> using nancy allen the entire movie I so know. it's like else, but... like watching it watching it this time it was like but i think he used feel as a bad team yeah, I oh, agree. But, well, yes, but he is like it's a wonder I, I, he's not more concerned. <laughs> like, hmm, give yeah, me what I happened know to me last time. <laughs> right. In the bar when he says, No, I was really enjoying talking to you or whatever, like I believe him. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I also but the ulterior motive is always there. 
Sure. But I like, think at, I think it's an I see it as and it's partly because of the performance, but I think it's an ul yeah. ulterior motive driven by naivete, which like I agree too. Yeah, he yeah, probably shouldn't be so naive given that he used to do this for a living. But I kind of love him <laughs> for not again, not being like an alcoholic sad sack cuz like oh I got a guy killed on the job. Like right. <laughs> he's you know st still managing to be like apparently he doesn't really have an arc even in a way. Oops, that was my text. Um Lee just texted me to ask me if all my audio is working. And it's like, well, if it is, then maybe don't text me. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Mike, you really wanted to say something. What was it? Oh, I was going to say, so I, the first time I watched it, I was like, to like, I was so into this movie. It's that rare experience that you have as, have it all the time as a kid. You almost never have as an adult where you're just like in the movie. Like you're not even thinking about anything mm -hmm. else. Uh, and then the ending happened and I was so like heartbroken by it that I was just like, I don't, I didn't like that. Like I, you know, mm -hmm. I liked the movie a lot. It was just, you know, remarkably well-made, but I didn't like it because of the ending. But I think it was, it was again, it was another one of those, those movies that like nags at you. And so I kept thinking about it and I kept thinking about it. And like a friend of mine, Steve, um, is, he's a huge fan of this movie and he, we would always kind of like, we would talk, it would come up in conversation. We would talk about it. And so like, and it wasn't like I had resolved never to watch it again. But the more I talked about it with him, it was like um, I had to kind of admit like, OK, like the ending makes perfect sense for what the movie is. And it is appropriate. I just don't like like the truth or, you know, I don't it, it's I struggle personally with the truth that the, I think the movie is kind of expressing of like. Uh, you know, just about I mean, maybe just the nature of life or the nature of this country or things like that. Um, and so then, you know, I, I think since then I've seen it, I just watched it a few weeks ago with Sarah and I'm on board with the ending now. I watched it again last night. Um, but yeah, and in, in the, in the intervening years, I've seen it several times and I've kind of come to terms with the ending. I still hate that it has to end that way, but I do understand mm -hmm. and appreciate it for, for what it is. That's all I was going to say with regard to watching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think the movie's asking you to stand up and clap. <laughs> no, not at all. But it's like, I really like. I still wish that it could, there was like, that there was like a happy ending cut that I could just watch and just delude the myself. Mic cut. Yeah. The mic cut. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I'll do what Kit does. I'll just do a, could, a fully yeah. a, a recut blowout, but it's just the last like three minutes interchange. It's yeah, just going to be, what... I know what you do. I know what you do. Okay. You just do a, sh you do that shot of her with the, where she's dead or whatever. You just go in, you paint, you put, you paint a necklace on her. Uh -huh. Like a choker necklace. Uh -huh. Those were really cool in 1980. Uh -huh. And then just draw just draw open eyes on her eyelids. And then just have and like then, a, a thumbs up like lift into the frame. Yeah. And that and then in the next shot, he's just he's he's not he's not holding her with the fireworks and the spinning around because he's sad. He's doing it because he's so relieved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're kissing. Maybe they'll kiss or something. That'd be nice. And then you and then you fade out. And the movie's over. Exactly. The perfect ending. You also got to change the music to change it to something, you yeah. know, really, you know, really snappy. Yeah. Maybe like God Bless America or something. That would be, be perfect, <laughs> dude. I think it's worth perfect. saying. And then maybe, maybe dedicate it to the, the fighting men and women, uh, fighting <laughs> men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces or something <laughs> like that. That would be, that'd and be just a good way to like go. put like a USO show at the end, like they're kicking. The, like a, I love nice. it. All right. I well, think, cool. I love it. I'm, I'm with 
I, I tend to be like, um, I know the feeling you're describing, Mike, where like you hate the outcome of a movie. It's not, and I mean, sometimes it's like you, I'm not saying, I don't think you're saying this, but like sometimes you feel duped or you feel like manipulated or like, like, like that's probably, that's something like mine and Sydney's reaction to Big Fish, I think, except that movie is like, was way more manipulative. But it's just like, this ending is so like <laughs> heartbreaking that I definitely never want to even think about this movie again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and I'm mad at it for doing that. Um, but I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm assuming that because of like the Hitchcock of it all, because his movies are sort of like violent. Um, I think he's, I think De Palma has gotten shit in the past for like the violence in his movies and the particularly like against women and, and things like that. Uh, right. And this is restrained. Yeah. 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 That was a big deal in the eighties. Like people, some people I feel like this and this movie is like very you spend a lot of the movie just like watching John Lithgow stalk people and mm-hmm. stalk women and kill them um like there's a like it's weird it's like there's a I, it's very um <clears throat> dark and grotesque in a in a way that he the way he uses her scream at the end like all of that stuff it like play it another way could make this movie I feel like very hateful and very like black but there is I feel like there's so much empathy in the movie and I don't even really know like how to say why but I don't watch this at all you know and I don't think I I would I wouldn't particularly like a movie like that that was just like Let's watch John Lithgow stalk ladies and kill them in weird and interesting ways. Also, that's the same bathroom from Witness that he kills that one lady in. Isn't that weird? Really? Yeah, that's what I read. In anyway. the in the train station. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Anyway. Oh, yeah. But but like because of the performances and because of like how the characters are played and um, I guess because of how sad the movie is like. Like I'm, I feel very sad that she's dead, but I don't feel like cheated that she's dead. And then even the the ending, no, it's like, earned. It's very earned. Um, I don't, and it's also like not a particularly gory movie at all. Um, no, like like you say, like even compared to his other movies, like like this, you know, the scenes of Lithgow killing people are pretty restrained just suggest yeah they're just suggestive yeah. mostly with uh yeah. so dress to kill came out right before this and then after this i believe comes body devil and so there was kind of this thing in the was early- dress to kill a successful movie yes dress to kill was a big hit and that's actually why he got to do like that's much more violent blowout than this, body devil, I, think. I think uh it is yeah and it's actually i watched the last i, I watched the first hour of it uh, about an hour of it yes last night after watching this just because i haven't seen dress to kill in a while um and i think i've read very little of the actual the like kind of the feminist critics that were upset with him at the time uh, but i think having seen so many of his movies now that i think why he was picked out of because there's violence against women in like uh, mm-hmm. especially in the 80s like you know so many movies but i think what it is is that in all de palma movies and it's not even just with women but like he's um his some of his trademarks are like 
watching and then following. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think it makes it feel more lurid or more. It maybe it just unnerves viewers more mm-hmm. when, for example, when Lithgow is following that woman through the train station, uh, you know, down the hallway, or when he's following the woman who's on her way to the bus, and then he just grabs her and you know uh, strangles her and pulls her into that construction mm-hmm. zone. Like, I think, and I, I haven't familiarized myself too thoroughly with the arguments that were made. It was, I think it was also just kind of a media brouhaha. Uh, but like, um, I think because he's such an effective filmmaker, you feel uh, the violence mm-hmm. more. And it might feel like he's indulging, like a person could read that as like, he's indulging in it as though he, you know, is a person who enjoys violence against women. But like, mm-hmm. he's often said too that, uh, the, I might be confusing it with somebody else, but like, um, I think it's that it, it, there's female characters in his movie so often because like you're as a, the audience, it's him. you're more empathetic. You're more drawn into it mm-hmm. uh, when a, when a woman is in peril. And I think, mm-hmm. I think multiple people have said things like that. And he I think said, he said that in his, in his uh, documentary. Okay. Thingy. Yeah. And so, but so then I think body devil is him responding to that criticism by just um, not doubling down exactly, but like, <laughs> Body doubling down? Body doubling down, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, that's when you were talking. It's an, something popped up. It's it interesting because, like, this this movie, especially on this watch and then also body double, like, what I've seen of it, they seem to share a lot in common or with Peeping Tom, which mm. also was absolutely reviled <laughs> it because of how, I think, cl- how uncomfortable it was to be put so closely into the perspective of a guy stabbing women yeah what basically? about psycho psycho was a hit psycho was a hit um i think it was mm-hmm. controversial um yeah but yeah i don't know i'd have to and psycho Although, came out a- after peeping tom right same year same year it was 1960 right. for both i believe um oh. although so building on this but kind of off what you're saying like um i remember thinking this time watching blowout that the scene, so it's after the accident. It's when him and Nancy Allen go back to, uh, she, he, they, he takes her to a hotel and she's mm-hmm. sleeping and he goes and he listens back to his tape. And the film like very like effortlessly or like dreamily almost drifts off into him sitting in the hotel room, but like envisioning himself back on the bridge mm-hmm. where he's recording. He's replaying the whole uh, thing in his mind. Um, and gosh, there was something else to that, but there was like, I would, I would just remember thinking like, wow, like he's really good at like, oh, he's really good. He's obviously great. But like, um, this is an incredible way of putting you inside your protagonist's head. Oh yeah. Like, yes. Like it's when I think of like back to a memory of mine and like, it's like whatever is inside me. That's like my central perceiver or whatever. It cuts through images in this, in a very similar way. And like, mm-hmm. I go through a memory in a very similar way. And then back to, and it's, I almost lost track. I think that's what made me recognize it is I almost lost track of like, he's in the hotel re-listening to this right now mm-hmm. because it all just kind of moved like that. And um, so, yeah. And so I wonder if his techniques and doing things like that are, I mean, people are, would feel weird being put in the head of, mm-hmm. you know, and Travolta's not, but if he's doing this with, you know, putting you into the, like, you know, you're saying with Peeping Tom and things. Mm-hmm putting you into that character when they're doing these horrible things like that might make people 
uh, repulsed in a way that they're not with if it's just, you know, like uh, Jason from Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. like just hacking and slashing people. It's If it's not done as effectively uh, or if it's not done as cleverly, then the even though the violence is less, uh, then maybe the response is uh, larger because of that. But I you're saying, yeah, you're saying mm-hmm. what we're saying is that the movie is is so expertly made that it makes the violence mean like mm-hmm. s- just hang with people more. Yeah, basically, and so than, they feel kind yeah. of sick, like oh, De Palma's like messed up, and it's right. because it's Which, because it, so because it's not trash, they think it's trash. Right. I think are, he, are keeping, you... <laughs> keeping Tom's the same way. Like I yeah, think that yeah. that movie's like such a well-made movie, and I mean, and also so I guess. Pretty, I mean, it's pushing the fucking boundaries for the time, for sure. Mm-hmm. And this is like, you know, this is like De Palma's first time using Steadicam. So, like, audience can't can't have been very used to seeing, like, that opening scene, for instance, of, oh, like, that's God. just not a familiar sight to yeah. filmgoers in that time, you know, yeah, because they didn't have the, the technology didn't exist to do it. It is interesting to me. That opening scene is is very interesting to me because it's so, like, it seems like uh, it's sort of pulling apart a genre that, like, had barely gotten started at that point. Like, it seems to almost directly be uh, commenting on Halloween. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so Halloween-y and and also De Palma-y, but just, like, it's, it's weird to me that... Because 1979 is when Halloween came out. This is only two years later. So it just seems like this the, the slasher genre is just like really only finding its feet right then. Yeah. And he seems to know everything about it. Um, yeah. Well, and man, like... And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's all I had. Yeah, that opening scene, like that is... I love slasher movies and I love... I love late 70s, early 80s, just the look of things on film and all that. And so, yeah, that like first, I don't know, five minutes or whatever it is. It's like, I wish there was an entire slasher movie that was like this. Plus, the killer is so freaking like creepy looking. And Well, let, I'll tell you what, Mike. There are many, the, many <laughs> movies like that. I wish there were movies that were that well made because that there it's uh, yeah. actually I, I noted that. So the movement I, of the camera is definitely not a common yeah. No. Well, it, it just, is. It is funny because he's making like a. It's the you know the, the yeah. reveal is that he's actually making a shitty movie. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. And there are things that happen in it that are kind of ridiculous, just like how the 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 po the person in the POV is like like standing right in front of people. Right. It's just like it's there's no there's yeah. there's very he's doing very little to conceal himself. Mm-hmm. It's sort of ridiculous, and yet it's still just like oh this is beautiful. It's this is so well mm-hmm. staged. It's yeah. so well shot. You would not see this in this a movie like this. No. It looks better than it looks better than the opening of Halloween. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And if there were a slasher movie like that that was just trash, but it was still like that clever and like uh, so like what I what I wrote was, um, it's like yeah. So you're going between the different. At first, he's outside. And then you watch, I believe, a police officer go and like look in one of the windows and you're watching like the things that are going on in the different rooms. So there's like the voyeurism uh, aspect of it. And then there's like these two different rooms. So it's almost like different uh, boxes or like uh, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's dollhouse kind of thing. Um, and then uh, and then, yeah, I also wrote like I know they make fun of the sound because of how awful that girl scream is. But I'm also as I'm watching that, like the way the music's building and then the breathing and then the wind. 
uh and i just all yeah it's uh it's super fun it would be the most fun slasher film of all time if de palma had made a mm-hmm. just straight up shitty slasher film in the yeah. uh early 80s but um to your yeah. to your point too about his like memory in the hotel like i want it is i think it must have been so hard and taken so long to figure out how to represent sound like him hearing things like because that sequence of him hearing continues first of all just to be like like it's very important that the audience can follow and remember the things that he heard Mm -hmm. and in the visual of in, in the medium of film we don't fucking remember shit that we hear we remember shit that we see and that scene I think my favorite scene in the movie is the scene of him out recording the stuff and like yeah. moving his microphone and all those slow zooms. Um, and the way that those slow zooms tell me like, this is what he's listening to right now. And like mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. how clear the order of events all has to be, how much we have to remember that scene, how many times we see it replayed. I love like later when he's listening to it, when he has his pencil and he's moving his pencil the same way he moved his yeah. microphone. Um, like, like it's telling us, Oh, this guy really like, <laughs> He can well, remember and, all of it. He's like Daredevil. And it's interesting, too, how, like, when he's remembering it and listening to it, how it sort of, it becomes, like, kind of hyper-stylized. Like, he's seeing, like, in his mind's eye, he's seeing things from different perspectives now. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, like, there's something unreliable about it. Um, I think, it, and that's kind of what, you know, kicks off his obsession with finding the visual so mm-hmm. there's so I I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, like the moment, um, it's so crazy. Like I've seen this movie multiple times before, but the moment where Lithgow starts pulling on his watch, and you realize that like that was the weird like crickety sound, yeah, that he heard earlier, scares the fucking shit <laughs> out of me. <laughs> like every single time, it's like, wait, what oh, are you what are you God. talking about? You know how Lithgow has that retractable watch face yeah. thingy? And yeah, it, it makes I, that, like, and I remember sound. And when when do you when do you hear that earlier in the movie? You hear that when he's out there on the bridge recording stuff, and it sounds like a weird bug or bird in the night going like making a weird like tweet of some kind, and then only oh like gosh. what an hour and ten minutes later or something, right. <laughs> like you no, see, you hear Lithgow insane. doing that and you're like, oh I, fuck. I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't catch that. That's I think so it's, cool. It's uh, it's actually the first time we see him, isn't it? He's. In, I think he's in a phone booth and we hear the. Whizz, whizz, I think. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so you're and right. it's like so that's kind of when we know mm-hmm. a little more than. Uh, but yeah, yes, I agree though. That is creepy. What do they? I, I guess I should have paid attention when I was watching it. When he's on the bridge, so the first time he's on the bridge recording, and you hear that sound, they don't show you like, you know how they show you like the owl kind of in the the split diopter yeah. kind of thing. So like, mm-hmm. no, they, they don't, don't show you anything mm-hmm. of that. It's just he's just kind of searching and looking, but you no, hear that sound, right? I think what you, I if I recall correctly, you see him kind of like be interested in it, not in a okay. suspicious way, just like oh, that's like what I interpreted as like, oh, that's an interesting animal noise, like. Right. You know that, yeah. Basically. Okay, but it's not necessarily posing itself as a question. Like it's, it's a weird enough sound that like you notice, you take notice of it because it's like 
that's not exactly like any bug or whatever I've heard, but like that's what I assume this is. And yeah. then you don't yeah, realize until later that it was him sitting right. over there. It's so scary. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that great. is really scary. That's awesome. Um Um One one thing about the owl, I just made me it, it uh reminded me of something else, the how how the split diopter is used, like mm-hmm. specifically for the language of this movie versus mm-hmm. other De Palma movies. Or maybe maybe he does use it this way in other movies, but just like it's very very specifically used for like focused hearing mm-hmm. in this movie, yeah. Which I loved. I thought that was so yeah. freaking awesome. Uh, just like the owl, and then when he's like walking out of in in the in the hospital, and it cuts to those you know he's got those dudes who are talking about him. He's just it's the way you know you hear your name when you're in a crowd and there's noise and somebody says your name and it like your ears sort of instantly focus to that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, you know, another way of just totally put, putting you in the head of the character. Yeah. Very cool. Like in a, in a, in a almost like biological way. Yeah. When I think again, when Lithgow is listening to the sailor and the prostitute talking, um, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, he's, he's sitting, not looking. Yeah. So yeah, that's good observation. Uh, oh, and actually, yeah. On that same note, uh, right at the beginning, uh, when he's working kind of in his, I don't know, sound lab, sound room, whatever it would be. Uh, and the newscast is going in the background. That's mm-hmm. uh, split diopter in several shots. Yeah. And um, I was thinking too, like watching it this, watching it last night, having just seen it recently, I was kind of more able to like uh, zoom in on stuff. But like the amount of information that I think part of another part of the reason. Well, anyways, the amount of information that is in probably the first t- 10 minutes of this movie just the amount that it packs in mm-hmm. the first half, man. It's yeah. It's so it's, it's a jam packed movie. It's for crazy. Sure. Like it really is like, you know, and there's, there's sort of the joke beginning with the, the slasher film, but from there on out, it's just how much about his character and the story. And then the grander, like the grander themes, how much is just there just from the start, from the first handful of scenes, um, like lots of movies, do that but it, it also i think part of what was remarkable about it is how and it wasn't but how effortless it felt uh like you're just absorbing all this stuff and it's like it's hard like you know if i'm reading a book it's hard for me to like get information sometimes or remember every little thing and it's just mm-hmm. too i think if i were to have read all of that like in a script um i would have probably not retained certain things but like as a the, even the first time i watched it like so much is conveyed to you uh, and it can be, it's a little hard to keep up with the newscast and while you're also thinking like, well, should I be watching Travolta or whatever? But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. You're seeing him putting together sounds. You're seeing this, you know, news report. There's a lot of process. Been, yeah, been put yeah. together. And like, so it kind of is developing that idea out. And then I can't remember exactly. I, can't, I don't remember what immediately follows him after he's that newscast. But but I mean, that pretty much the entire thing is just set from there. And it's it's not a simple plot or a simple movie that Mm-mm. kind of mm-hmm. comes out of that. It's like, there's a lot in the movie. Like, even as you're saying, just as the movie goes on, there's more and more and more. Um, so like there's, there's so many side characters and so much happens to them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There's like entire B, C and D plots. Like, yeah. I, I want to know what, I want to know what's going on with the director of the movie. He's yeah. got a whole story going on. Yeah. John, John Lithgow's like an entire movie happens in the, mm-hmm course of a uh a phone call between john lithgow and the guy who hired him 
you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. there's a whole story there that it's just, just so concise. And uh, the way that the way that Lithgow talks is so like, oh, who is this so good. fucking dude? Like, yeah. he's a weirdo. I think I the, just think of him as like mm-hmm. some like uh like tactical sort of dude who like thinks of himself as like he probably got like kicked out of the military. Yeah, yeah. he seems like it's a all dork. Just, you know, head cannon, but <laughs> yeah. it's it's all I think it's all in there in the character <laughs> the way. He and I like how when he's talking to the I guess politician or I I don't remember specifically what that guy was the guy who had ordered him to get these uh incriminating photos of mm-hmm. and they were like it's like he's like well i was just following the plan he's like that wasn't the plan you said that mm-hmm. idea and we all said no like you can't do that <laughs> i know and he's I just like yeah but so i chose good. to go with that plan instead and he's mm-hmm. like i don't know you i've never talked to you um but yeah uh, and yeah so yeah like we do get quite a bit of his character but like we definitely are getting the full story with him mm-hmm. or with the director or dennis franz or mm-hmm. uh but just the amount that we do get it's sort of like crazy because the movie's only like an hour and 40 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Something like yes. that. Surprised. Is that right? Okay. Well, surprised. Yeah. It has I don't know. to. It's, great. it's like not only a pretty like complicated story with a lot of information because it's like a political thriller, but unlike most political thrillers, you don't feel overwhelmed with it. I think in part because to the extent that you miss certain pieces of information, it kind of conforms to what the story is about. Like that's also the state in which the main characters are like, yeah, as an audience member, like you are also very peripheral to, (laughs) to this thing that's happening as just as they end up being. But it's also like the movie has to teach you in those early scenes, how to watch it. Like that is true. Like it's such an extraordinary amount of words. I mean, like representing listening on film is not a fucking easy thing to do. Getting your audience to pay attention to what they're hearing in the medium of film is not an easy thing to do. And all of the like lens techniques, even like the steady cam, like all of these things showing probably even it's like, there's this little meta thing too, of like the movie opens with people working on the sound of a movie. Like that's such, that's a very good way <laughs> maybe to get your audience to start paying attention to the sound of the movie they're watching, which they will need to be doing in order to get any of the payoffs, you know, that, yeah. that come about. Um, but it just seems like, and, and actually De Palma says, I don't know exactly what he means by it, but he says it was an extremely arduous movie to make. I, I would imagine. Well, I and they had yeah. horrible things happen too, yeah. like the, the footage being stolen and having to be re- what? the end of the movie. A guy who was, I don't know, taking it to the studio, taking the reels, left his car unattended. And um, footage was of the ending was stolen. So the ending, which is, to me, the most gorgeous part of the movie, was shot by a different DP. Wow. Than the person who did the rest of the movie. Yes. Who shot it? (laughs) So, yeah. So he, okay. So he goes from, um, uh, so, uh, and I'm probably not pronouncing his name right. Uh, Vilmos Zygmunt, uh, so yeah. you know who he's worked with quite a bit. He was not available when they had to do these reshoots from the the footage from the reels that were stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, fortunately, Laszlo Kovacs was there to step up, to him. he could help. <laughs> who's who's that? Laz- oh, Laszlo, he's a very famous uh, cinematographer. Um, he did like Easy Rider, a lot of really like kind of gritty '70s looking stuff. Yeah, five five okay. easy pieces. Yeah, he's very. Um, you know, well-regarded. I I don't know, Oscar-nominated for sure, but, like, uh, I'm pretty sure. Let's see here. 
Uh, so we got Easy Rider, Targets, um, which not necessarily known oh, for its I, cinematography, I like... but uh, ah, Targets is great. Oh, it's a great film. But I mean, it, it's you know Corman, real low budget kind of thing. Uh, five Easy yeah. Pieces. Uh, let's see here, Paper looks, Moon. Yeah, Paper Paper Moon shampoo. and What's Up Doc. Oh yeah, yeah, What's Up Doc? That's right. I guess he's he must have worked with Bogdan, uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah. Several times, uh, Shampoo, um, Slither, Slither. What's Slither? That's like car movie, I think. James Con, huh? Yeah. Um, is have you have you seen it or have you seen it? No. Okay, I don't know if it was. I, I've heard of the other Slither, the one with uh, James mm-hmm. Gunn did. I mm-hmm. hadn't heard of that one. Um. Inside Moves, that was actually a really good movie. I just watched that recently. It's a lot of his movies are, there's probably film school terms for it, but just like, um, it's it's grainy, but feels very like natural. I also think, to me, he feels like a just quintessentially 70s look, like to a lot of his movies. Yeah. Interesting. Very well regarded. You, you know, it would be just a, you know, a stroke of bad luck to have, reels from the end of your film stolen but a stroke of good luck to have him be able to pitch in (laughs) yeah yeah uh i'm amazed that anybody would get out of their car and leave it with footage in it yeah Yeah. like that's insane well and it was was the parade stuff it was like uh the liberty parade so like they the the insurance what's that the most difficult important part of the film (laughs) yeah oh my god so yeah that's like just i remember there was an expensive this... surely yeah yeah they said seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to reshoot oh jesus yeah. there was this kid covered there was there was this dude in in when i was in film school and i remember he was uh, how should i say this in the in you know how in the way that all film students are hacky he was hackier um <laughs> And so a hack among hacks, <laughs> but I, and I'm no, and it was just kind of like, and he was sort of like arrogant and it was, so it was kind of really hard to, you didn't like any of the things that he made and you didn't like the way he tried to present himself. But I remember he left a like $5,000 camera in his, and he's just, we're all students. So none of us have any money. Right. Um, not really. Even the rich kids, like, they don't actually have any money. It's just their parents' money. So it's just, like, I think for the most part, most people understand what this kind of money leaves. And he left it in the parking garage in his car, unlocked. And I remember it got stolen and it was, like, a big deal. And it was, like, you would see him walking down the hall and he you would both know what you were thinking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he dropped out. I don't think he could handle it. Cause it's like, it's rough. that's, it's like the cardinal sins. Like you don't drop, you don't drop lenses because and there's a, there's a, there's a way that you hold a lens so that you don't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a, there's just like, there's things that you do so that, a thing that is unthinkable can never happen. <laughs> right. Even though an unthinkable thing can always happen, mm-hmm. but that's just sort of the attitude. Like I have I have come far closer to suffering extreme injury than I have to like to have to losing a, a camera while <laughs> shooting or something. Like I 
uh, I've almost fallen downstairs. I've almost fallen, been hit by cars. I almost got run over by, trampled by a horse. Uh, <laughs> literally had to have somebody grab me by my shirt and pull me back because I was like, oh, this is a great shot. So, I mean, because <laughs> like, you're, yeah. So it's just, to me, the idea that somebody took the, not even just footage, but just like dailies from the end of a movie and just left them in their car is, it is beyond <laughs> absent-mindedness. It is beyond idiotic. And that is, this is coming from somebody who has done the unthinkable. <laughs> like I once, del- I once had a really great shoot and then deleted all of the footage from one of the cards. Um, I remember that. Like, yeah, <laughs> just, I, 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 I literally started therapy after that yeah. and did a year of it. I still am like, like traumatized by it <laughs> so i guess like i just profoundly mm-hmm. like i feel this story in every fiber of my being yeah like this that and is, i don't i cannot believe that happened can, do you know was it like was it dailies or was it like edited together but, but or like I, the interpositive or uh because it was like know. they just couldn't get it back it was like um but it sounded like i it assumed was, it was the raw footage okay so they just lost that's it. what i that's what i presume Okay. I, I I believe that that man had to find a new career. Probably. Oh, after he did that. It's like it was <laughs> like it was over. It yeah. was over. Yeah. yeah. But uh That's what I insane. would so this I guess I don't know if it was stolen in Philadelphia, but I would assume because this is all filmed mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Um I wonder if someday that those uh those reels will turn up or if somebody just like went through and was like, "Ah, it's a bunch of well, fucking film reels that just threw in the fucking, river or something." Maybe that's the mic cut. Shit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe De Palma was like, "Fuck it, I'm killing her." After yeah. that, after yeah. that got <laughs> there was something I wanted to say when you mentioned about the movie being arduous, and um, you were talking about how um, you know the movie does has to do kind of a lot of work on the front end to to you know make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I there is something that's struck me and has I think strikes me every time watching this movie which is by the time we get to the 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 flashback scene and already flashback scenes are kind of like do we really need a flashback scene uh and if you do then what else is wrong um but it is interesting to me that like because we're so far into the movie at that point um but it's such an essential piece of information Mm mm-hmm and it's like, I don't know that you could necessarily just have it be a line of dialogue. Um, but it does kind of awkwardly sit in the movie. Am I right or am I wrong? Which flashback scene are you talking about? The fla- the flashback the to like his his past life as working with the police or oh, I love like, it. whatever. I love it. You, and love I it think- you love it as it's as a, you love it as a flashback and where it sits in the movie. Yeah, yeah okay. I like it. And- I think in a weird way. So I don't talk- not like it. I want to know why, though. We talked about how there's a strange optimism to John Travolta, or I said this, given what he has experienced in the past and a kind of naivete to him. And I guess I like how it's so not over dramatized. Like it feels, I mean, to me, it's of a piece almost with why the like, you know, movie hinging on like violence against multiple women, many of whom are just killed to like cover (laughs) that, that there's such a, 
like we see the scene and it's not overplayed at all. It's like, yeah, this was bad and and clearly traumatizing for him, but he re- but he's moved on with his life in a very like human way as opposed to like a movie character way. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't like ruin- It doesn't open on Tra- Travolta in a bar or something. Exactly, and right. it doesn't make yeah. him go, I'm never doing that again. Like, he did, like, we hear, like, yeah, it just remind me of, like, I know people who've lived hard lives or had really horrible professional things happen to them, and they don't do what movie characters do, which is just, like, make their entire life revolve around that incident from now on, <laughs> but it's, like, something they don't want to talk about, and, you know, maybe they'll get a different job but it's you know what i mean and so like the way that it's played but the thing that i really like about seeing the flashback scene i think is i remember um every time i watch this and you see the guy hanging there after he's been killed i'm like hanging is such a strange choice for this (laughs) scenario because it's like it's not a kill that implies speed you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like it obviously all happened very fast. And that guy is huge. Yeah. Um, and That's a pretty strong bathroom stall. Right. And he's hanging from a very flimsy bathroom <laughs> stall. And I'm like, how in the fuck did that guy do this? And so, like, that always, like, stands out as, like, what a strange thing. But then at the end of the movie, when you see that line of red across Nancy Allen's neck, what it makes me think of is that guy hanging in that bathroom. Yeah. And oh, how, man. Yes. How he caused the exact, like, it would be too much if we if she was also, like, you know, hung off the side of the building or something like that. Like, I don't want him to find her hanging, but the fact that that drip, that line of blood, like, indicates that she was choked in a similar way to me oh that's so cool to me yeah, it like even just kind of connects those two scenes of like and yep. makes it like that he fucked up in exactly the same <laughs> same yeah. like it led to the same exact outcome except i guess this time he got to at least kill the guy um <laughs> that's yeah. so cool so that's why i like it yeah yeah and i i actually so that that particular scene hadn't stuck out to me in any sort of way like you know good scene and everything um but thinking back on it uh it almost feels like uh a very scorsese scene um like oh for yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah and i'm not really i don't know if it's just because of what happens in it um and, but yeah but yeah just a but quick also, little flashback and then Scors- what what does prompt that does he he doesn't tell her he, that in the bar does he he no he does he, he is, does. Yeah. is okay. that story yeah, yeah she's kind of prodding him and i think it's you know, I think he's, in terms of his ulterior motives, he's trying to gain her trust. Um, okay. I think it's Scors- Scorsese-like because it's about, like, the haplessness of these people. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's such a, like, unfortunate, like, but also kind of funny yeah. thing mm-hmm. to ruin a stakeout or whatever, like yeah. to, to ruin an undercut blow and a blow cover is that like, Oh, the he's sweating so much that the, it's also funny because like he introduces the story by saying that it was their best undercover cop who got killed, right. I think. And <laughs> it's like, but, 
he was sweating his freaking balls off. Like wow. he was so sweaty, <laughs> the sweatiest I, man I've ever seen. That honestly Would, might be part of it. Like I don't know. Like De Palma's like a smart enough filmmaker that I'm like maybe this is tro- supposed to show that Travolta's editorializing a little bit or something. Oh, you yeah. know. Well, yeah, and the thing is, is you know, I I do kind of wonder just because, um, it it the movie goes out of its way to show me when he's when he's first re-listening to uh the recording from the blowout it's it's going out of its way to show that he's remembering it differently than how we saw it you know 10 minutes earlier mm-hmm. so to me it's like and, and we know that he was not in the car with the sweaty dude um but he's listening in the other car. So to me, it's like, is the fact that the dude is so sweaty, is that like... That's a really good point. Because it's so insane how sweaty he is. That's a really, really good point. He didn't actually see that. So but it, it's, it's like probably it, it, a construction yeah. of what he's imagining based on what the conclusion he drew, which is that, oh, shit, my his sweat's causing my bat. That's really Interesting. interesting. Especially because mm-hmm. there's other p- times in the movie where we know that we're seeing John Travolta's memories, not necessarily the actual scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very, very cool. Hmm. God. I didn't think De about Palma's that. so good. <laughs> yes. I know. He's great. It's He's nice. Great. It's just really, it's really nice when like somebody, especially when it's like a writer director, I think like, mm-hmm. you know, someone's so in control that it's actually worthwhile to like, speculate about these things yeah anyhow um Mm. i think i've gone through most of my notes i have a note Mm -hmm. okay go ahead i did think of what i was going to say but it's it's can it doesn't fit into anything it can just be plunked in anywhere so yes go right ahead well neither does this so okay perfect um i will say this is and you you guys are probably gonna think i'm insane here but the first time i watched this movie I thought Nancy Allen was not very good. I think Sarah said the same thing, I think, when we watched this. I now, but I think now, I think I was just kind of keeping in mind some other Nancy Allen performances. Yes, when you know her other performances, it makes sense. It's, she's so different in this movie yes. that this, it's like, it's like this, she could be nothing, this could be nothing but a good performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's Which great. is a weird thing to say. I do, I think she's great. I, yeah, but, but I had the same thought process. I'm like, what is she doing? And then I'm like, man, this is the same lady from RoboCop? That's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's a very like, it, to me, it's like Mighty Aphrodite before Mighty Aphrodite. Like where at first mm. she seems <laughs> like... I don't like you know you think like and maybe that's and maybe that's part of it is I'm like is she fucking with him like you know, like is she trying to trick him maybe which I mean in a way she kind of is maybe she is yeah right I think she's um, she's definitely smarter than the movie initially but she's also smarter than she acts I think because particularly when when she starts screaming for him and like begging for her life and i and i don't view this as a laugh, lapse in performance but that's that doesn't sound like the same lady in a certain way which like who among us would sound exactly the same but it's like she's i think there is a little bit of like pretense to the way that she 
talks and presents herself. Um, and you're saying it. You're saying it all kind of comes off in that moment. Yeah, she doesn't sound mm. like uh, you know mm-hmm. Betty Boop when she's being murdered. Like you know when she's. I mean, who does? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's. A, I think, and it's also like I have a feeling that part of the way that she's playing it is because. Well, first of all, what'd she say? There, there was something Nancy Allen said about how she viewed. Oh, she viewed her as a rag doll. Um, like that's how she thought of the character and that's how she was trying to play her. And I think it's so important that you love her and are so sad to see her die that I think it's necessary for yeah. her to be like as cute as fucking possible. And for him, but honestly, I think what conveys it even more, like she's great, how he is with her, how he yeah. treats her and like just takes like tries to take such good care of her while also being the reason she's dead uh, <laughs> makes you like it, it's it's he he's so fucking good in this movie and he also looks amazing i don't think yeah. he's ever looked better he, look, he looks great he because, looks great because he's also not he off he's he's like got that like matinee idol that like he obviously just has like you can't really you can't get rid of it but he still feels like such a real person. And like mm-hmm. only De Palma, I think, has like it makes me so sad that like John Travolta doesn't really get to act in shit. He doesn't. It's weird. It must be a Scientology thing or something where yeah. somehow it just all got fucked up or whatever. But just his John Travolta, because there it it makes me sad because there are people in the world who insist John Travolta is a bad actor, and that I I cannot uh, I can't allow that. That's insane to me because it's just it's just one of those it's it's a weird tragedy that uh, you know. And he's done other things where it's like, oh, you're very good in this. Mm-hmm. You're ve- he's oh, yeah. very you know he's very good in Pulp Fiction. He's ve- mm-hmm. I think what it is is he has this this control. Um, where he's able to like, and where he's able to like modulate between like extremely like, uh, like, like, uh, subtle movements and like big, uh, character, like, I mean, like face off is a good example, I think. I mean, that's mostly big, but. Um, is any of this resonating with you guys? Like, I'm just thinking about like the way he like smokes a cigarette and then in 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 Pulp Fiction, and then in the next scene, the way he dances, like there's just, and the way he looks in his face while he's there's just something that's he so has a very like, huge about him, yes. but also very like just small and subtle and controlled. Um, well, and know. his there's, face there's is really huge. It, it's his, it's, it's yeah, and it's his face too. Like there's just there's truly only one John Travolta. Like he kind of does have that movie star sort of Tom Cruise sort of thing to him. Mm-hmm. But then there's like another thing. Uh, I don't know. I think I know there's, and I mean, there's more movies that like, I think John Travolta is great in, um, in Saturday night fever. He's fucking great. He's perfect. He's, he is exactly what that movie needs. He's great mm-hmm. in Greece. He makes me laugh so much in Greece, a movie I don't like, but I think he is, very funny in it. 
He's great in this. He's great in Pulp Fiction. He's great in Broken Arrow. He in in its in its own you know we like he knew what to do for that stupid movie. He's 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 pretty great in um, Primary Colors. Like I like that's a weird thing to have to play, and I think he does a good job. There mm-hmm. are, however, also John Travolta performances that I fucking hate. Like I like Michael. I couldn't even get through. Like Michael's awful. He's phenomenal. So, Phenomenal, yeah. so bad. Like, there's this. That's that's sort of that to me is like is a director casting a movie star and ex- and, and 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 not trying to get a performance out of them, but trying to exploit yes the movie starness. At, like to exactly. me, that is it, it. Reminds me a lot of like it's the thing. It's going back to Tom Cruise. It's the thing that people who don't like Tom Cruise don't like about Tom mm-hmm. Cruise. It's, it's, it's when directors, they see, oh, that, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like, it's a director seeing an actor and completely missing the point, right? It's them seeing a piece of a performance that is actually meaningless without the right context. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and exploiting that to its fullest instead of trying to create a real character. So mm-hmm. yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you. And I think, I think. You know, I kind of think Face Off is is that way too, except that movie is so unhinged mm-hmm. that it kind of like comes back around in a weird way. Um, but yeah, there's a but like uh, uh, definitely phenomenon, Michael. It's like this even mid-90s. like look who's t- look who's talking. I feel the same way of just like yeah, it's like the movie knows more that he's sexy and, or something. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to see that. Like. It's like, like they're, they're just constantly winking at you that like this is John Travolta, isn't that crazy? This is your like, abs- your movie star John Travolta. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I think that's a lot of like, um, oh, Mad City is in there. That's oh a god, that's one. a terrible movie. Yeah, that uh, of course Battlefield Earth is a famously oh, yeah. horrible movie, and he's not good in it. I agree. Swordfish. Not a good movie. Swordfish is Swordfish is a wow. That's a that's a shocking one. Um, yeah, and then just like everything in his career, for which is sad because he's you know he's sixty six, so it'd be kind of fun to see see him do fun stuff now. But it's I can't really see just, him settling into like a De Niro old man. Like the I jokes don't want that. Stuff. Nobody wants no. that. I don't. I don't need him to do. Well, like I think he could. It'd be fun to see him do dramas and stuff but he's still trying to do action movies he's still trying to do yeah he's still trying to do which here's the thing about john travolta Mm -hmm. is like i think that was kind of a misstep in his career thinking he should be an action guy yeah that's not his magic he's not an action guy the roles that we love him in have a kind of similar quality which is i think we talked about this last time we talked about um get shorty where there's or no i was talking i was talking about it with my dad mm-hmm. that like trying to analyze like what do we like about john travolta and i feel like what it is is he's really good at characters who have a kind of like bravado about them that's mm-hmm. extremely thin and so easily punctured <laughs> and then they're really super vulnerable right yeah. underneath that like that's, yeah, i was just that's, thinking that that's yeah. very good. When, yeah, when Andrew was talking, yeah. the, the how I might describe it would be like almost exactly like that, where like 
he seems he's very good at doing the thing where like he seems kind of like an aloof observer but then he just goes like like he's suddenly just there and he's like the main you know i don't know mm-hmm. force in the room or something like that um so yeah I that's think weird he, he it, i it, feel like he plays guys who seem like wow this guy's so cool and then it's yeah. like just i mean that's that's danny zuko that's um uh chili palmer that's kind of like pulp pulp fiction uh what's his character's name i don't know vincent Uh, vincent vega vincent vincent vega like just and but there's always like this extreme like (laughs) you kind of can see how hard he's trying like i don't know that's what i and then yeah kind of like you say like there's like an intensity but it's not an intensity in like the same way that even that like tom cruise is intense or something at all yeah so like i would think comparing him to somebody like nick cage who i feel like the way he carries himself and moves he's always he always appears to be vibrating at a very high level Mm -hmm. travolta seems to be just the mellowest guy but then he can have these peaks where Mm -hmm. and that's you know and and there's some movies where he's like uh i think andrew said face off where he's kind of trying to maintain that intense intensity uh throughout an entire film but in the best roles i I feel like he he you know those are those are the rarer moments maybe uh but i wanted to say we're talking about nancy allen before um and i think her performance is good throughout the entire movie but for that Mm -hmm. character i think that it it does seem kind of weird in moments like how uh not, uh, almost like cutesy she is maybe or like silly in some ways but i also think that as we learn more about that character and like what she does and who she is and things like that um i think of the scene again and when they're in the motel room and he's trying to kind of put together the night before mm-hmm. and she's kind of her uh softest when he she's trying to direct the conversation toward um the movie industry and makeup and things like that. And mm-hmm. he brings up, he's like, okay, so last night, like, what do you, what, what do you remember about last night? And she's like, I don't really want to talk about that. And like, there's kind of this irritation. And then that mm-hmm. kind of reoccurs throughout the movie. Uh, even like when she's talking with like Lithgow, like, or I think she says it at multiple points. Like, I don't watch the news. The news is, it's, it makes me sad, mm-hmm. but like, so you, I kind of feel like the thing that seems like a goofy movie character is almost like something a person would have as like a defense mechanism against like, like yeah. they seem very like flirty and cutesy to avoid these bad things that are also like in their mm-hmm. life or their reality or something. Um, but I, I don't well, know. She's I, like constantly talking like like there's like a there's a weird humor to like when John Lithgow's following her and she's so oblivious and just like constantly chattering yeah. to him that becomes so sad when then later like that's what John Travolta has of her to like continue yeah. listening to and like how much, I don't know. It's just, it's a very, everything pays off. So like, even if she seems kind of weird at first, it's like, it's good actually that it makes you a little bit suspicious of her. Yeah. Like, you know, it made us all go like, what is she doing? Like, why is she acting like this? Like, is she trying to trick him? Is she like, can she really be this way? And it's like, we don't, like there in a way she was trying to trick him so she is probably like turning on the charm like full blast um 
And, but I also think she actually really likes him and he really likes her. Like they both have, I mean, and that's just like, it's an interesting, like that, what relationship isn't like that? Like where like you actually like the person and then also there's something to be gained from, from like you have something to get from them, even if it's just like sex or whatever. Um, so in this case, it was like, I, yeah. Um, going kind of back to Andrew asking about the flashback. The two things that I don't really care for in this movie. One is I do not like the car chase thing. Like, oh yeah, it looks. And I the mean, car chase. Yeah, oh, with where his, he's where in the he's... jeep. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. it's like it's kind of out of place. Is like I don't believe that in this like grounded reality, like something like this would happen. And then when it's when it's ever it shows him in the car, it's so clearly rear projected and it doesn't look authentic at all to me. Mm -hmm. Like, but, but to me, like to no end, like, I don't know, like it seems like just that was a limitation they had as opposed to like something to add to whatever story is trying to be told. But like him, like driving through the parade, it's just like, this just feels like it comes from a different movie and it feels contrived to, keep him from being able to save Nancy Allen. But like, why couldn't the, they just, why can the parade just be happening and he can't find her? Like, like, like yeah. the scene where yeah. he's listening, it's weird just how it divides the peril into like, it like separates it by hours. Um, you know, and I don't know if it's so we could get from day to night or if it's so that we could have fireworks or if it's because like they yeah. couldn't, you know, the the plot reason is that they need to go get the movie. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm not really sure, like, what is that doing there? Why is it necessary to knock him out for a couple of hours in order to be able to um, have this scene where he's just listening to her be killed and, like, desperately trying to be, to find her, which is, like, so much more effective than yeah. his, like, drive. Um, I, yeah, yeah, that is. And it is even the time jump, or however long he's out, it is kind of odd because she's still walking and talking with Lithgow that whole time. Mm -hmm. um, so things about that. Yeah. Don't quite hang together perfectly, but yeah, I do wonder if though, if it was, it has to be nighttime for the fireworks to go off. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. But then like, why not have the, it'd be nighttime. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Why <laughs> establish, why establish yeah. that it's day yeah. to begin with? Yeah. That, and I wonder if, mm -hmm. I wonder if that has to do with the way that some of the end of the film was lost. And yeah. That that's, Maybe they had to make some kind of fixes. Maybe not. That's a good but, point. But I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, I was thinking about that of like, did they reshoot the car scene and it's maybe not as together as it was the first time they did it or um, something. I don't know. The I other, would like to know. The other thing I don't changed. like is the, uh, which I feel really bad about because it's apparently Brian De Palma's favorite for many of his films. I do not like the score. Really? I like parts of it it's just so all over the place there's so many different themes and they're all in a different kind of style like i love the song that plays at the end is very beautiful like that like plays over her death and everything and takes us out of the mm -hmm. film and then the kind of parts that are very like jazzy noir like that works really well but then there's other things i'm just like this is like really beating me over the head with this theme that doesn't sound like other it just kept changing. It felt like there were so many different kinds of styles. And for a movie about sound, 
I think I would have liked to have heard a score almost like a John Carpentery score or something like that that was like more subtle, like not so yeah. loud and not so changing in like style. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I really didn't like it. The uh, That makes me think of the scene where he's finding out that all of his tapes have been erased. Mm-hmm. Um, that feels like a song or like that feels like music. Um, actually it might, maybe it is, but the, yeah, like, um, this so, it sounds like a pulsing. What's yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And it's it, so when everything's like kind of spinning, um, mm-hmm. it sounds like something experimental, like with tapes or something like that. Uh, that's that what I'm make. talking about. But, yeah. I almost, I almost like, and again, I'm sorry to be like redirecting blowout, but like, what if you didn't hear any score in the movie until that final Just scene? Just thinking that. Oh. Yeah. I kind of think that would have been great. Because, the, I mean, there's so much. Hmm. There's so much. Like, the, the audio in this movie, aside from the music, is so, like, an, an, I don't know, pronounced. Like, it's so mm-hmm. it's so present. Like, I kind of wonder if you really need music. I mean, maybe maybe there are moments where you do. But it does feel like this movie has so much audio texture already. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you really, do you really need it? I don't like, know. Like there are like, sh- there are like, um, kind of interstitial shots of like the city, you know, like here's like a dark, you know, rainy sidewalk or whatever that often, I mean, you know, it's, it's different scores, but like, it's like, Oh, here's like a saxophone kind of thing. Like, you know, bleh, like gritty, the city, whatever. But it's like, what if there was no music and we just heard whatever that sounded like? You know, <laughs> like yeah. it would be. It. it well, I don't know. Maybe you know, he was worried that it wouldn't make enough contrast between like, like, because you definitely notice like when John Travolta goes out to the bridge and he's listening, like, you are aware that you're l- just listening, like th- that. There's no music. There's no like. It's like. You know what I mean? Like that scene yeah. definitely doesn't sound like a normal movie scene. And maybe if the whole movie right. was just like fully, then it wouldn't, <laughs> then that wouldn't stand out as much. Well, it makes me think of um, this interview I read with Carter Burwell a while back about No Country for Old Men, because that's a movie where you don't really hear any music until I think the credits really. Um, and it's really impactful when you do hear the music. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about this interview was that I always thought there was no music throughout the movie. There actually is. There actually is music in a few key moments, but it's so sort of embedded that you, it's like, it's, it does not jump out at you as music, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like so, and like, cause and the movie is there's it's got a rich soundscape so it's sort of like i don't know it's sort of different than score usually is i think um anyway it just makes me think that like maybe and that is such an effective movie like mm-hmm. the way the like his air compressor gun sound i mean just so there's so much to latch on to that movie with uh audibly in, in terms of audio but uh yeah it makes me think of that like maybe it could have been something a little more and and honestly maybe even given us a little bit more tension not that we necessarily need it but just like i think about how tense no country for old men is and it has almost no score interesting um, i have not seen yeah. that since theaters 
Um, it's a great, it's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember enjoying it. Although, well, this is neither here nor there for blowout, but while we're there, um, I like almost like spaced out. You know how it kind of ends with Tommy Lee Jones talking at the table, I think to his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like more or less spaced. I was like, well, you know, I was like thinking about something else. And then the movie ended and I was like, oh shit, I don't know how this ended. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I did enjoy the, the movie that I was paying attention to. Um, but and the same thing happened with Lewin Davis, the, the Cohen, another Coen Brothers movie, where mm. like I was paying attention to it, but then as we left the theater, I was like so confused because I think it kind of like looped around. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like the yeah, they the, both kind of ended in similar ways. Okay, to be honest. And so yeah, and I, I I was talking with my friends, and I said I and I actually don't remember which way is the correct or which is correct, but I said like oh that's weird that it ended with the same scene from the opening. So it just kind of makes it like the movie, like this loop. And they, they mm-hmm. looked at me like, like, that's not what happened. I was like, Oh, I know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I was paying attention. Um, but anyhow, um, and blowout is also a bit of a loop. That's true. Very true. Per- way to bring it back around, Andrew. Yeah. You got it. Um, actually. Okay. So that's one of the things minutes ago, uh, that I was wanting to kind of plunk in that has to do with the ending. So I think my initial response the first time I saw this movie was that the ending was too grim, too nihilistic, and sat wrong with me, didn't feel appropriate for the movie. Reusing the screen or using her scream to put in there for that. Um, I don't know. Like, like you were saying, Kit, like you've known people in real life that something bad will happen to them, but they don't like it does not solely it does not become the sole thing that determines the rest of their life or something Mm -hmm. do you think that his character now is in that place like where he'll be like the guy at the bar okay i I don't know he's i think he's kind of i don't i mean i don't know about that because now now he's he's changed but now he's now he's trying to like torture himself yeah now he's like trying to he's trying to force himself to pay for his crimes by making himself listen to that scream but i but but that feels i I can understand it because for one thing, when someone you love, I mean, based on the years I've spent watching true crime television, the, (laughs) when you lose someone that you love in a violent way, like an unexpected and violent way, I think you do become kind of trapped in the moment of like their death. Like, to me, that speaks to something about how you grieve for someone lost in such a, like, unfair and violent manner that, like, you can't be like, well, I'll remember the good times. And it's like, and then, to me, that's all the more heightened because, as we see, like, the true story, there, there is no fucking chance in hell of justice for... Her, so it's like, in a certain way, like, <laughs> focus, like, that tape is the, and her scream is the proof that he has of what actually happened. And by sticking it in this movie, he is, in a way, disseminating that truth, like, ex- very widely huh, um, okay. to an audience. Like, he, like, he can't ever talk about or get any kind of you know justice for it but it's also but he can like you know put it out there 
But it's also just like, that's all he has of her now is that yeah. tape of her death. Like that's the only, that's the only thing left. She's been erased not only from like life, but from history, Be, you know, her actual role in a pretty huge event is just like swept under the rug. Mm. And, um, so I think on that level, like I think I understand his choice, even though like, it's also like extremely ghoulish and, and, and strange and it's weird like he gives it but then he covers his ears at the end so like he has he's the one who's making himself have to listen to it but he's also like blocking it out it's very sad and he plays yeah. that scene really well i think yeah mm -hmm. that's interesting he, he looks like a different man to me in that last like he doesn't look like even look like the same guy yeah huh well um <laughs> Uh, oh, yes. Uh, get, uh, interesting. Good observations. I, um, don't, I don't have too much other note stuff. Um, I did, I, I wrote one note that was just Kennedy. Um, I think this revolves a lot. Chappaquiddick. What's that? Chappaquiddick. <laughs> well, uh, that too. Yes. Um, oh, you meant JFK? I meant JFK. Yeah. Just oh, in terms okay. of there being this assassination. Mm -hmm. um, but then, I mean, Chappaquiddick would be another Kennedy where there's lots of um, media construction at play and things like that. Um, but yeah. I, and I think De Palma's talked about before how he was very, uh, I don't know if obsessed, but very preoccupied with Kennedy. And, um, and even that, like there's sort of like the way the guy dies. Um, like Kennedy was, uh, I don't know, apparently cheating on his wife a lot and a lot with a lot mm -hmm. of different ladies and things like that. Uh, so that kind of a politician. And then as he, he's assassinated and then as his legacy is written, you know, like they're trying to do with the, uh, the governor mm -hmm. at the beginning of this film, it's like, Oh, just, you know, don't tell anybody what, you know, like just let him have a nice legacy and you want to do that to his wife and that kind of thing. So I think that that plays into it a little. Um, but no, it was, yeah, just something I'd, jotted down i love how philadelphia looks in this movie also yeah just, wow uh, what's yeah up? all of the red white and blue that it's so organic to the movie and i think andrew said this like right at the beginning where this movie has like the kind of lurid oversaturation that De Palma loves so much but mm -hmm. it's so story motivated in this case and it's so like environmental and like all of like like absolutely the apartment like that dennis france's whole apartment is red like all of this but like yeah. the but they they established the sign right yeah. outside his window so right. it's yeah well and yeah, then there's all these reasons i might be remembering this incorrectly but when nancy allen is dead and they're showing her face excuse me at the end of the movie i don't know if it's the fireworks or if it's lights but doesn't it kind of flash like red white blue oh, yeah. on her face mm-hmm mm -hmm. Well, and there's this giant Patton-esque American flag behind him as he well, there's that, like, yeah. cradles her body. <laughs> there's that as well, yeah. <laughs> and then the big the kind like of spinning the unsubtlety. Shot. Like, it's really cool. that yeah. I, I mean, that's what's I think that's what's fun about De Palma is that it's like an incredibly smart and technical filmmaker who loads his movies with just like skill and depth and like really rewards very close attention and makes you feel like you're watching like like wow this is someone really knows what they're doing and it's going to actually be worth my time to like talk about this movie afterward yeah. and then also like 
a giant ass American flag <laughs> behind John Travolta yeah. as he crouches over Nancy Allen and fireworks exploding overhead and like bright red and blue everything like it, it, it they're they're fun to watch on a very like immediately gratifying like surface kind of way and then also like in the you know a deeper intellectual way if you're into that yeah yeah, well, yeah, it's definitely. like the film, the movie opens with titties, and it's like, well, yeah, this is in the guise of, oh, but this one's a shitty movie. But it's like, that's cool. That's yeah. fun that you can get all those things in the same in the same movie. I agree. That's what it's all about. <laughs> um, but yeah, did any, uh, I, that's all my notes. Did, any, did you guys have any little stragglers? Mm, I didn't take any notes. I just watched the movie. Oh, okay. Wow. Look at you. And I was very scared that it was like, I'm like, is this movie too good for us to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> I think we've done okay. I, I hope yeah. we've done good. I think we did well. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I think I'm, I think I actually did go over literally everything. Okay, cool. Um, the only thing I have a note from Dennis. She said that when uh, Nancy Allen was talking about, uh, how she wanted to do makeup in movies and how Barbara Streisand's makeup was all wrong. Uh, <laughs> Dennis said that Nancy Allen's character was wrong about Barbara Streisand. They picked the wrong Nancy lady. Allen's makeup was bad. <laughs> I thought that was a joke. If you're going to talk about anyone's uh, makeup being bad in the history of film, <laughs> I would say Barbara Streisand is the worst possible personal so, but maybe that. but that but now thinking about it more maybe that's like part of her care like maybe that's a character thing right yeah like she's maybe... actually bad at makeup or something i kind of thought right and i'm not a big expert on babs like i'm sure like uh denise and kit would be but um but yeah i thought that, that was supposed to be a joke because she's she's i mean they even kind of i don't know if it's that same scene or if it's a little later but she's like i just spent two hours on this and this is the no makeup look so i think they're kind of trying to oh totally i love that, I'm glad you bring that up. That line is so good. I I commented to Lee. I was like, that is such a beautiful specific. And that's how, like, the movie is so well written, too, in, a, you know, in addition to looking great. Yeah. Um, it's that that getting little moments like that. Is, I, I'm just like that. It's also like. <laughs> The no makeup look is like still a thing. Yeah. Um. And I couldn't believe, like, wow, 1981, they were talking about the no makeup <laughs> look. That's so funny. And when when he goes, when he goes, you're wearing makeup, and like you kind of don't know if he's <laughs> sort of like teasing her, or if he, yeah. or if it's a pickup line, or if he really is surprised to learn that. Like it could be any combination of those three things. It's like that's it's so sweet and real. Um. It was awesome. Yeah. That's a great scene. Um, well, then, I, it's, uh, I can hear uh, the clocks going off. It sounds like it's time for our cruise minute. Hell yeah. All right. I've, that's, that's why I've been so silent is because I'm trying to find something good. Well, uh, I mean, there was uh, the, this week the video came out of him going to Tenet. Uh, oh, which went, my God. I saw <laughs> a reporter on that story refer to the movie as Tenet. That's how you say it in France. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's how the Parisians are referring to it. Okay. That's how you say it. Because I was like, I'm little... pretty sure even in the trailer, they were saying tenant. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but uh, yeah, in English, but in French, you would call it tenay. Tenay. I love okay. interesting. I or love if you were really cultured, right? So much. I've watched it several times. It is so funny that it's like a thirty-second <laughs> video, and he says, <laughs> he says, "Well, Lee sent you that clip." Yeah. Of, uh, back to the back movies. to the movies. Yeah, but then <laughs> in the theater he also says, "Great to be back at the movies." Yeah, <laughs> and it's such a short clip. And it's just like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Can you imagine being like one of those people in the theater and just like I just feel like I'd be watching the movie and like knowing that Tom Cruise is like up and to my left or whatever. Yeah. I'd probably just be sitting there like sweating. Yeah, <laughs> just like just just clenching yeah just waiting just <laughs> like probably really being happy to be there and wanting it to end so badly yeah Ugh. i read an interview um, with him last night yeah i'm gonna um, i'm gonna see it on monday so hopefully he shows up oh cool oh man i'm excited um, i want to see it so bad and i can't i'm pretty pumped I, re- I read an interview i don't remember what got me off on this tip but um with him around about Rock of Ages when he made that. And I really, hmm. unfortunately, you guys are going to hate me, but we really do need to watch that movie because it's Tom Cruise singing. Yeah. Hey, I think we could easily put together an, um, another Tom Cruise triple. I think we've only had two. I got a few brewing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so because like, it's going to happen. Supposedly, the story is that he did all of his own singing. And I was watching clips from it. And I'm just like, I do not believe that this is Tom Cruise. <laughs> so, like, we're going to have to unravel that together. We're going to have to go deep. Yeah. Something. Because, I mean, on the other, I don't know. I, sh- I should, maybe, because, like, it's of a piece with how he treats all his movie projects, which is, like, I'm going to learn to shoot pool. I'm going to learn to race cars. I'm going to learn to fly jets. I'm going to, like, become a dancer. Like, all of this stuff that he, like... <laughs> That's how he picks movies, so maybe he went, I'm going to learn to sing, like, Axel Rose, Rose, and then he just, like, actually did that. But I, it, the, the, the voice coming out of the body and the person, I can't make them, I don't know. It's very huh. strange. Well, I look forward we gotta to watch it. Trouble. Okay. You sh- it's a terrible movie, but he's very good in it, I think. Okay. Um. Uh, all right. All right. Well, I, I, I've got to do my cruise minute. You freaking jerk. I thought you just, Oh no. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just lobbing onto yours. Uh, so this is, uh, this might be a cruise two minutes, but it's Jake Johnson. Uh, he was on a podcast. Uh, Justin Long, I guess has a podcast. I want to mm-hmm. listen to this cause he has like a 10 minute spiel, like thing about talking about, uh, Tom Cruise and the mummy. And he says, like, the story is, um, when he got the offer to read the script, he saw that it's 30, 30 pages of scenes with him and Tom Cruise, who famously does all his stunts. And Johnson is like, I think, nah, I know what this is going to be. Um, you know, there's one thing I love in this business, and that is when they say, bring in the stunt people. And basically what happens is that Johnson, you know, he, he had agreed to do a Tom Cruise movie without reading the script. And then after reading it, he has a change of heart. And he's like, you know, I, I, had, I was far enough in my career where it was like, I, you know, I have money, I can eat. So I don't, if it had come before New Girl, I wouldn't even question it. Um, but apparently they told him that um, if when he said he didn't want to do the movie anymore, they said, okay, if you want to get out, because Tom Cruise got excited about working with Jake Johnson, 
Um, and he'd already started planning the movie with Johnson in, my, in mind. So they told him that you needed to f- go to London and tell Tom Cruise in person that you weren't going to be in the movie. And uh, he said, like, I got there. I'm exhausted. I'd been drinking on the plane and I had watching weird movies and uh, suffering from allergies. And uh, he said the car service picks him up, and instead of taking him to the hotel to shower and rest, the driver takes him straight to the stage per Cruz's request. <laughs> I'm in my cargo shorts, flip-flops, with the airplane socks. Johnson says, I have three, I have like three sweatshirts on for no reason. And we go straight to the soundstage, and I meet Tom. And we had a meeting that lasts like hours. And during that conversation, Cruz basically teases Johnson about being scared to do his own stunts. But in a generous way, he's a super funny guy and he starts doing a lot of bits and he's like, are you comfortable sitting on a couch or do you need a stunt person for that? <laughs> Mind you, I still, I still have to go to the bathroom pretty intensely. Uh, he said, what happened according to Johnson is that he tried to be respectful and cool, but about 45 minutes in, I realized that I really like him and I turned myself into a fan and started asking about all his movies. And the funny thing about Tom Cruise is He's been Tom Cruise for so long, he understands, this is the best part, he understands that people sort of need to do this. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, that movie's terrible, and the rest is history, but that is a nice story. Mike, have you seen it? Me? No, Mike, have you seen the movie? Oh, no, I I haven't. Okay. Hmm. Put it in a triple. I, I took... I like had like a really slow day at work and like just was like, you know, I'm going to go see the mummy. So I just walked out and went and saw the mummy and wished I had not left work. <laughs> I think that's rough. You know, yeah, Mike, bad. find a way to like that movie. That'll be the true test of your to like that one. Yeah. Contrarianism. Put yeah. Adam Honestly, Sandler in it. Like Mike, mummy. <laughs> if, if Mike, if Mike can truly convince me that he likes the mummy, I will never question his contrarianism. <laughs> I'll be like, you know what? This dude is 100%. There's no way. There's no way that he isn't on the up and up. That dude likes the mummy, and I believe him. I am naturally contrarian. I do not go out of my way to be contrarian. That Um, said, I might watch watch the mummy this afternoon. Everybody hates the mummy, Mike. Everybody (laughs) says it's a terrible movie. That's why I haven't seen it. That's true. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, but you also, every time, whenever you watch a movie that everyone says it's so good. (laughs) It's true. You always come back and you're like, well, it wasn't that good. And then the opposite. Yeah. I'm Mike. I'm Mike. I don't, I don't think Casablanca's very good. This show is over. I'm ending this episode right now. Um, thanks for joining us tonight, folks. Join. Oh, but Mike, wait. Hang on a sec, bro. Listeners, they got to know, man. What movie are we going to be talking about? Thank you so much, Andrew. Episode. I always, oh, I always so try long. to just breeze on out of here. And, uh, you it's because you're a freaking dum-dum, dude. It's true. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, folks. Join us <laughs> next week uh, when we will be watching Ooh. 1998 Snake Eyes, I think. Mm-hmm. We will be watching Snake uh, Eyes, directed by Brian De Palma and uh, starring Snicky a little Snake. fellow by the name of Nicolas Cage. So it's oh, a great I'm film. So Can't wait to talk about it. It's a good one. Um, slow motion triple feature was recorded in the showers at a sorority house filled to the brim with sexy co-eds. Special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Hooray for money.